0: Africa, rise and shine. Africa,
1: Zola. Africa, amika na unai.
2: Africa Rise and Shine. This is Channel Africa from an African perspective, coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. We are on DSTV's Audiobook Channel 802 and on www.channelafrica.co.za. I'm Lula Gabu, in studio with Anne Musa and Sise Zuma. In our top stories on Africa Rise and Shine at the Sawa, the first US presidential debate characterized by lack of decorum between candidates. At least 18 people killed after rebel forces launched attacks on a government troop southwest of a capital, Juba. And in economics news, two of the largest U.S. carriers, American Airlines and United Airlines, said they were beginning furloughs of over 32,000 workers. But first up, the news with Anne Moussa.
3: SABC
4: News. Independent and impartial. From an
5: African Perspective.
6: Good morning, I'm Anne Moussa. A man has been shot and killed in central Guinean city, shaken by clashes since the Prime Minister Ibrahima Kusuri for Fana's visit on Tuesday to campaign for President Alpha Conde's re election. 20 year old Habib Patel Diallo was reportedly shot by security forces during a protest in the city of Dalaba. A police officer who asked not to be named said he died with a shot to the wound, to the head rather. Kenyan authorities have not officially confirmed the death. The latest incident in Dalaba follows dozens of deaths in previously anti-government protests during demonstrations against a third presidential term for Alpha Condé since October last year. The 82-year-old president has pushed through a new constitution in March that allowed him to reset the two-term presidential limit to zero and run again in the October 18th election. South African NGO the Scalabrini's Centre's case which challenges certain sections of the country's refugee law is expected to be heard at the High Court in Cape Town today. The organisation is challenging the abandonment clauses in the Department of Home Affairs Refugees Amendment Act Corbin August reports.
7: The Scalabrini Center says it is challenging the constitutionality of certain sections of the Refugee Amendment Act and Regulation 9 of the refugee regulations. The organization says these sections of the Refugee Amendment Act and regulations effectively mean that the claim of an asylum seeker in South Africa must be considered abandoned if their asylum seeking visa expires for 30 days or more. The NGO says that without compelling reasons for why an asylum seeker holds an expired permit, these persons will be treated as illegal foreigners and risk facing arrest and deportation. The matter has been set down for two days.
6: South Africa's health department says another 67 people have died from COVID-19-related complications, bringing the total number of deaths to 16,734. The department says a total of 674,339 people have contracted the virus in South Africa. This is an increase of 1,767. From the previous figure, the recovery rate remains at 90%. Lawyers in Algeria have been holding a nationwide strike in protest at what they say is increasing political pressure. On the country's judicial system, the two-day national strike is in solidarity with lawyers in the capital, Algiers, who started their own stoppage on Sunday. The lawyers say that there have been arbitrary arrests and an effort by the authorities to push through a new constitution. The powerful elite in Algeria has been shaken by mass protests demanding reform that started in February last year. And Facebook says it's banning with immediate effect adverts that seek to delegitimize the outcome of the U.S. elections, including calling a method of voting, such as mail-in voting, inherently fraudulent or corrupt. The move comes a day after U.S. President Donald Trump used his first televised debate with Democratic challenger Joe Biden to amplify baseless claims that the November presidential election will be rigged. Trump has been especially critical of mail-in ballots citing a number of small, unrelated incidents to argue that fraud was already happening. Several people are using postal ballots this year due to the coronavirus pandemic, the BBC's Peter Bowers reports.
8: Last week they said that they were prohibiting ads that make any premature declarations of victory uh, in an election. Well, this new policy will ban any commercials, any ads that specifically describe methods of voting, such as voting by mail, as being inherently fraudulent or corrupt. And the reason this is uh, so significant, of course, is that President Trump has spent many weeks, indeed months, of uh, criticising the vote-by-mail system.
6: And that's the news headlines at 7.30 Central African time.
0: I'm figuring out what with your sports update. We're starting off with athletics. Red hot favourites Eliud Kipchoge, Kenenisa Bekele, Bridget Kosgei, and Ruth Chepink were among the first group of athletes and coaches to arrive at the biosecure hotel bubble ahead of Sunday's London Marathon. Immediately going through strict COVID nineteen testing, the athletes and support staff spent the day settling in and relaxing after the overnight chartered flight before training on the lawns of their hotel. Kipchoge's manager, Valentin Tso, said it was a great feeling to be in London finally and described the facilities inside the athletes' bubble as excellent. All athletes and support staff were tested for COVID-19 at home four days before arriving at the biosecure hotel bubble and were tested again on their day of arrival. Spencer Baden, elite athletes' manager for the London Marathon, could not wait for racing to start. Rugby World Cup winning Springbok captain Siakolisi has been named alongside Lukanyo M as the captains of the Green and Gold teams for the Springbok showdown at Newlands on Saturday. The Green team is coached by Mzwandi Lestik, with South Africa's rugby director of rugby, Rasi Erasmus, serving as the team commissioner, while Dion Davids is the Gold team coach and Springbok head coach, Jacques Ninaba, the team commissioner. The experienced duo of Kolisi and Am, will lead the two teams featuring the best of the best in south africa with a blend of rugby world cup winners seasoned internationals and rising stars who are determined to make their mark at national level
9: stick explains we wanted to to make sure that we bring in some couple of youngsters you know the promising youngsters that everyone has been talking about you talk about the likes of Sanel Noamba, amber scott and Jeremy the the guys that have been through also our junior systems you know so we wanted to give those guys also a, a great run and a, a fair opportunity also.
0: Finally, golf news. Daniel Fantoner continued his dominance of the Sunshine Tours Rise Up Series as he opened with a nine under par 63, including two eagles, to lead the first round of the Vodacom championship reloaded at Huddle Park Golf Club. Fandone is one clear of Christian Basson and Louis Diaga. And with two rounds to go, he is on track to claim his third victory on the five tournament Rise Up Series. Musiwalo Netruzwi is only two shots off the lead after opening with a 65, while young star Jaden Shepherd is in contention once again after signing for a 66. That's your spot news this hour.
2: Thank you, Figile, for that sports update. It's 708 Central African Time, and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. The first presidential debate between the incumbent Republican Donald Trump and Democratic rival Joe Biden was characterized by lack of decorum on a night in Cleveland, Ohio, that can only be described as chaotic. The primetime slot that allowed millions of viewers their first opportunity to see the two contenders in their first of three head-to-head matchups degenerated in a television verbal brawl due to President Trump's incessant interrupting of speakers and moderator Chris Wallace simply unable to rein him in. And while the issues from the Supreme Court, the COVID-19 response to climate change were placed on the debate floor for discussion, what ensued was mayhem. Shon burris speech report.
10: The issue, the issue is the American people should speak. You should go out and vote. You're in voting now. Vote and let your senators know how you strongly you feel. Court? Let vote now. Are you going to pack the Make court? sure you in fact let people know. you are senator. I'm not going to answer the question Why because you answer that because question? the question is the question is justice, the
11: radical left: you who shut is your, up, man. listen? Who is on your list, Joe? This is so, gentlemen,
12: I think we've ended this.
11: He's going to pack the court. We have have
12: ended this segment. We're going to move on to the second segment. That was really a productive segment, wasn't it? Keep yapping, man. The people understand, (laughs) Joe.
11: 47 years, you've done nothing. They understand. Because Because you are president screwing things up. You were a senator. And You're by the, the worst way, you president America
13: has ever had. Hey, hey, Come Joe, on. Me- that was former Vice President Joe Biden attempting to answer a question on whether he would work to add more justices to the Supreme Court were he to prevail in November on a night defined by interruption and insult, even with discussion on how to reform rogue police operations.
12: First of all, what does reimagining policing mean, and do you support... It means... Uh, uh, let me, if I might finish the question, what does reimagining policing mean, and do you support the Black Lives Matter call for uh, community control of policing?
10: And so we have to be that's engaged... That's not what
12: in they're prevent- talking about, that's, Chris. That's well, not what that, that's He's exactly talking about defunding the that, police. That
11: is not true. He doesn't have any what? law... With you support? He has no law enforcement support. That's not true. Almost nothing.
13: At times, the attacks got personal as Trump attacked Biden's children with a former VP refusing to return the favor as he attempted but failed to steer the debate towards how to help the American people struggling amidst a deadly pandemic.
10: I did my job, and I did it very well. Oh, really? I did it like honorably. I don't know who
13: they are. Every, well, I'll give you the list I'll of the people them. who tested. No, no, go ahead, sir. Sure, you,
10: they, you've already fired most of them because they did some, a good job. Some people don't well, do a good here's job. The,
11: with you, Go ahead. you got the fi- the Wait a
12: minute. You get the final word. Mr.
10: Well, it's hard to get any word in with this clown. Excuse me. This, hey, hey this let me person. just tell you. No, no, no. I'm no. Mr. President. Three and I'm a Mr. half Mr. million, Joe. That's such a great... Single
11: one of them lost this is, a is not Mr. about President. President. my family or his
10: family. It's government. about your family. The American people, he doesn't... That's not true. It doesn't want to talk about what you need. You, the American
13: people. It's about you. Trump again cast aspersions on the integrity of the elections, cast Biden as a career politician who had spent 47 years in public office, painting a vision of an America of riots and violence under Democratic leadership. But when asked to condemn white supremacy... Are you willing tonight
12: to condemn white supremacists and militia groups and to say that they need to stand down and not add to the violence in a number of these cities, as we saw in Kenosha and as we've seen in Portland. Sure, are you I'm prepared to, to do specifically that, but do it? Well, I, would ahead, say,
11: I would say almost everything I see is from the left wing, not from the right so wing. So what, what, you, you you like, what are you saying? I'm, I'm willing to do anything. I want to see well, peace. Then do it, sir. Say I, it. Do it. Say it. Do you want to call them? What do you want to call them? Give me a name. Give me a Whites name. White supremacists and right right like supremacists. White and right Proud boys, stand back and stand by. But I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what, somebody's got to do
12: something about Antifa and the left.
13: While the issue of Trump's taxes also came up.
12: I'm asking you the specific question. Is it true that you paid $750 in federal income taxes each of those two years?
11: I paid millions of dollars in taxes, millions of dollars of income tax. And let me just tell you, there was a story in one of the papers. that I, paid, your tax I paid $38 million one year. I paid 27 million. million one Show us your tax returns. I went. uh, You'll
13: see it as soon as it's finished. You'll see it. Not a debate, but a disaster, as one commentator quipped. And if the needle moved in either nominee's direction, it would be unclear why, given the rancor largely from a president who's struggling to gain his footing in this race for a second term. With just over a month to Election Day and hundreds of thousands already casting ballots in early voting, time's running out to change minds. I'm Shervin Bryce Pease in New York.
2: Malawi's President Lazarus Chakwera arrived in the Zimbabwean capital on Wednesday afternoon on his two-day courtesy call on his counterpart, President Emerson Mnangagwa. While his visit is termed a courtesy call, Dr. Chakwera is flying into a political storm, which many Zimbabweans would expect he should discuss with his colleague. Meanwhile, Zimbabwe remains a key political and trade partner with Malawi, dating back to the federation, that of Nyasaland, northern and southern Rhodesia. More from our correspondent, Simon Muchemwa in Harare.
14: Malawian President Dr. Lazarus Chakwera has arrived in Arare for a two-day call visit, the first after his ascendance to power in June this year. President Chakwera is expected to hold talks with his Zimbabwean counterpart, President Emerson Mnangagwa, on various topics including politics, trade, and security. The visit to Zimbabwe comes a week after yet another such visit to Zambia last week, a move that is likely going to rekindle the trade partnership that began years ago during the 10-year colonial federation between 1953 and 1963. Both heads of state, Chakwera and Mnangagwa, have torrid tasks of revamping their economies as well as spearhead political and economic reforms experts have hinted. Channel Africa spoke to the Malawian Foreign Affairs Minister, Eisenhoa Mkaka, over the phone regarding the visit.
15: Harari to meet his counterpart. What needs to be understood is that, that this is the courtesy call following his election as president of the Republic of Malawi. He started this in Zambia. Uh, he will be meeting more people uh, in the region. He's coming here uh, just in a courtesy call uh, to his counterpart in Zimbabwe.
14: Meanwhile, the visit by Dr. Chakwera has given birth to some hope by Zimbabweans who feel the Malawian leader should also confront President Mnangagwa on the alleged human rights abuses. A few weeks ago, a team of South African ruling ANC, African National Congress, dropped in Arare but only spoke to the ruling ZANU-PF officials amid allegations of serious human rights abuses. Although it is reported the ANC delegates were frank with ZANU-PF over the deteriorating human rights in the country, nothing has changed and in fact, ZANU-PF continues to dig in. According to some analysts, Dr. Chakwera is jetting into a political storm.
15: Whilst... We reckon the concerns are raised, uh, but the platform uh, used, I think, uh, would not be right. Uh, as I did indicate, uh, this is a serious call uh, on President Mnangagwa. and uh, uh, I think it will be uh, and the right platforms uh, that would be raised. But uh, for this, uh, I think. Keep it to that, a courtesy call on uh, President Nangagawa.
14: Malawi and Zimbabwe enjoy good relations with a shared history on the social, political and economic front. Malawi is one of the potential markets that Zimbabwean industries should consider and translate into economic gains by increased trade and economic cooperation. Minister Mkaka implored.
15: You first of all need to look at the, the historical ties that have been there between Malawi and Zimbabwe. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, uh, uh, adding Zambia to the equation, uh, the three countries were at one country uh, during federation of Patricia and Nyasaland, and uh, they have uh, uh, transacted between and among themselves. Alps.
14: In a Zimbabwe for Channel Africa, this is Simon Mchemwa
1: the globe every second there's always a breaking story
3: we have withstood the coronavirus storm now is the time to return our country its people and our economy to a situation that is more normal that more resembles the lives that we were living six months ago following consultations with a number of stakeholders cabinet decided That the country should now move to alert level one. The move to alert level one will take effect from midnight on Sunday the 20th of September 2020. This move recognizes that levels of infections are relatively low and that there is sufficient capacity in our health system to manage the current need.
14: Channel Africa Bringing your latest updates on the novel coronavirus, I am Silvanus Kalimera for Channel Africa in Higali in Rwanda for the advice given by a healthcare provider, your national and local public health authority or your employer on how to protect yourself and others from COVID-19.
2: It's 7.19 Central African time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. Coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. From South Sudan comes a report that at least 18 people were killed yesterday after rebel forces launched attacks on government troops southwest of the capital Juba. James Shimangula reports
1: the rebels that launched the attacks belong to south sudan's national salvation front led by general thomas Cirillo, former member of the country's national army now known as south sudan defense forces general Cirillo is one of three rebel leaders that refused to sign a peace agreement two years ago in the Ethiopian capital Addis Ababa. However, the agreement was signed by President Salva Kir and his one-time main political opponent Riek Machar, as well as leaders of ten other rebel groups. General Cirilo has vowed to continue fighting with, as he puts it, Express purpose of bringing down the transitional government of national unity led by President Kiran Riek Machar. Already, the fighting in the southwestern part of Sudan's capital, Juba, has resulted in the death of 18 people. Rebel leader, General Thomas Cirillo, says the deaths would not have occurred had the government troops not attacked the forces of its National Salvation Front.
4: The government in Juba, under Salva Fakir is the one attacking National Salvation Front, uprooting our people from their villages for the reasons they know very well. So it is not something that needs to be investigated. All the organizations and even the enemies in Juba they know this.
1: The that General Thomas Cirillo is referring to is the abbreviation for United Nations Mission in South Sudan. Although General Cirillo says Unimis knows about the fighting, up to now the UN mission has said nothing related to the very fighting. The mandate of the United Nations mission in South Sudan includes support for peace consolidation to foster longer term state building and economic development. The UN mission also supports the Juba government in exercising its responsibilities for conflict prevention, mitigation, and resolution. Explaining what his rebel forces, the National Salvation Front, will do now and in the days to come, General Thomas Cirillo said.
4: National Salvation Front is forced into corner to defend itself and the population. We are fighting for the people of South Sudan. We are defending the people of South Sudan. The government has started their offensive against our forces that now we are under attack and we are informing our civil population to cease from moving from point to point because of this fighting now against us, because we don't want them to be casualties or these attacks of the government against us, because Nas will be in a position to defend themselves. We don't have a satellite. We are telling the population that they should not be moving at this time of the attacks of the government forces on our position.
1: General Thomas Cirillo says the aim of his rebel forces is to capture South Sudan's capital, Juba.
4: We are mobile forces. When you go in the capital, Juba, in our rural areas, there is no peace. Now, South Sudan is collapsing. Our people are fighting themselves everywhere. Even where the president Salfakir comes from, now the people are killing themselves village against village. So the people must know there is no peace in the country. We think that we as sons and daughters of South Sudan, we should sit in a very neutral place and in a very sincere way. And we discuss the root causes of the problem in South Sudan. And we agree, as yes, South Sudanese, to bring a genuine peace to the people of South Sudan, give them their power, and let them decide what they want for their country. Power to the people of South Sudan, not power to South Africa to continue destroying the country.
1: General Thomas Cerillo's remarks on the ongoing fighting have prompted the Juba government to make a swift response, acknowledging that, indeed, the rebels have launched attacks As President Salva Kiir's Spokesman Ateny Weka explains tersely. The
8: rebels launched attack and
0: uh, as a result our forces withdrew tactfully to southern part of the town. They are about four kilometers away. The government is still willing to negotiate peace with the rebels.
1: That was South Sudan presidential spokesman. So far, rebel leader General Thomas Cirillo has not responded to South Sudan presidential spokesman's call for peace with his rebel forces. Reporting for Channel Africa, this is James Shimanyula.
2: Poor statement taking by the police, delays in finalising investigations and the reluctance of witnesses to testify are some of the reasons that cases involving taxi-related killings are thrown out of court. As according to South Africa's National Prosecuting Authority Deputy Director in the Gauteng province of South Africa, George Baloy, he's been testifying at the Commission of Inquiry into state rather into taxi-related killings. The commission has since established that over 500 taxi-related murder cases, some dating back to 2012, are still unresolved. Wissani Makubel reports.
7: The National Prosecuting Authority Deputy Director in Ghaudeng, George Baloy, says investigators dealing with taxi-related killings need intensive training. He says their handling of the crime scene needs to improve. Baloy says prosecutors are frustrated because cases are not properly investigated and they end up being thrown out of court.
8: Lack of evidence regarding the identity and participation of the suspects. Suspects not properly linked to the commission of the offense. Witnesses contradicting statements and evidence, absence of witnesses, lack of cooperation from witnesses, and witnesses reluctant to testify. And that could be attributed to a number of factors, one of them you know, being intimidated. One of the tools available to the investigators is to apply for witness protection.
7: He says as the case drags on, chances of a successful prosecution diminish. Baloy however, says in some cases the accused deploy delaying tactics in their legal strategy because they have the financial muscle, knowing that the witnesses may no longer be available by the time the matter goes to court. He, however, says there are instances where investigators seem to deliberately drag their feet during an investigation, leading to numerous postponements. When asked if the prosecuting authority has raised these issues with the police, he answered yes and also made reference to a recent meeting where those concerns were discussed.
8: Various aspects were discussed and in particular the delay in the obtaining of uh, you know, ballistic reports and, and forensic chemistry reports. So there are various forums where matters of interest are discussed we also have, you know, case flow meetings where various stakeholders are represented, where you know these issues are, you know, are discussed. But just to come back to your question, yes, we do hold uh, meetings with the, you know, with the police at, at regular intervals.
7: Baloy was also asked to respond to Taxi Association Cruz statements that the justice system or government as a whole does not value the life of a taxi operator. Hence, hundreds of murder cases remain unresolved.
8: I won't respectfully you know, agree with the submission. At our office, we have dedicated capacity to deal with these matters. We put experienced prosecutors to deal with them. In most of the instances, you know, where life is lost, you know, the matter will be heard in the, you know, in the high court. And, I mean, the fact that the premier established this commission shows that, you know, um, he views the, the loss of life uh, and, and, and limp, you know, serious, in, in a serious light.
7: The police leadership in the province is still going to appear before the commission to explain their part in the handling of taxi-related killings. I'm Wissani Makubele in Johannesburg.
16: The globe, every
1: second there's always a breaking story.
7: What we want to achieve is a healthy and vibrant economy which can ensure full employment.
2: It's seven twenty nine Central African time, and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. Our headlines up next with Annelisa.
3: SABC
4: News, independent and impartial, from an
5: African perspective.
6: I'm Anne Musa. good morning. In the headlines, the East African Court of Justice has dismissed a case which challenged the Constitutional Amendment Bill, removing the age limit to contesting the presidency in Uganda. South African NGO, the Scalabrini Centre's case, which challenges certain sections of the country's refugee law, is expected to be heard at the High Court in Cape Town today. And the charity Save the Children has warned that measures to deal with the coronavirus pandemic Could lead to the biggest increase in child marriage in 25 years. Those are the stories making headlines.
3: SABC
4: News, independent and impartial. From an African perspective.
2: Thank you and it is 7:30 Central African time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. The 13th Annual TriLOG Business and Society Conference is set to take place on the 13th and 14th of October in 2020. The conference will address pressing socioeconomic issues facing South Africa. The main themes are quality education, youth employment, using tech for development and monitoring and evaluation. To tell us more about this conference, Samora Mangesu spoke to Cathy Duff, Director at a Corporate Responsibility Consultancy in South Africa, TriLOG.
17: It's our 13th annual conference, and the theme is business and society, and we really focus on how businesses can be more responsible and their role in society. Uh, This year, we were due to hold our physical conference in April, and that obviously had to be shifted, and we're now excited to be having the virtual conference on the 13th and 14th of October. Uh, we've shifted the theme slightly to focus really on the role of business in rebuilding society. So we're going to look at some of the impacts of the pandemic and what the role of corporates is in addressing some of these impacts. Um, As you mentioned, our themes are some of the most pressing socioeconomic issues, and they've only been exacerbated by the pandemic and the lockdown. So we look at um, the role of corporates in helping to improve the quality of our basic and vocational training uh, in that we consider early childhood development, we consider literacy, and we consider some innovations in in education. Our second main theme is youth employability, and I think the unemployment statistics which we saw released this week um, are, are really shocking, and they're particularly bad for the youth So we have a number of panels and breakout sessions in the conference focusing on what can be done around youth employability in particular. We look at, again, some innovative programs. We look at skills development. We look at vocational education. The third most topic, and again, one that was exacerbated during the pandemic, is the role of ICT, so the role of technology in development. And I think we've all become so much more reliant on technology, uh, and yet you know, one of the sessions in the conference is actually a debate looking at is, um, is technology deepening the social divide and inequality, or is it actually lessening it and helping the situation? So we're having that debate, we're looking at how te- technology can help address some of the issues and, and what the role of corporates in doing that is.
8: Now, the conference will take place virtually this year. What can people expect from this year's different event?
17: So it's it's offered up a lot of new opportunities. Um, Obviously, we've changed the format, so the individual sessions are shorter. So we have some really exciting keynote speakers lined up. It's enabled us to get not only local um, lead thinkers, but also to get international speakers involved. So one of our keynotes is Dr. Mampela Rampele, and she'll be speaking about um, how corporates can help to strengthen uh, South Africa's socio-political and economic conditions. We also have um, a speaker from the US, Stephanie Kimo, who's going to be dealing with the issue of what she calls um, decolonizing development and speaking about how we can make development programs much more inclusive and diverse and um, collaborative. Uh, We've got a keynote speaker, Namfonda Magapi, from the Center for the Study of Violence and Reconciliation, who who really talks about how development programs can't work unless we address the woundedness that exists in our society and the trauma and this has existed in South Africa for for a very long time and it's only again been exacerbated by the pandemic so she'll look at ways that we can address this underlying woundedness before we can focus on a lot of the development programs. So that's just a few of the speakers and I think what we've tried to do also on the virtual platform is to make it really interactive and to create lots of opportunities for networking, because obviously a physical conference always provides that. So we, we're using a platform where you can set up meetings with other delegates and speakers. We've got a virtual and networking coffee lounge where you can, again, go join a coffee table and speak to other delegates and speakers. There's messaging facilities in all of the live events and um, content sessions. There's the opportunity to ask questions. There's the opportunity to chat and we'll be running polls. We've also set up a quiz throughout the conference and there's various exhibition and sponsor booths that you can visit, engage with companies, engage with nonprofits. Um, And throughout that, there will be questions in each of the booths and there's an ongoing kind of quiz. So we've really worked to make it interactive and to give delegates the, the opportunity to network with other delegates and with speakers.
8: Right, and over 300 virtual delegates have registered to date, including participants from Malawi, Kenya and Zimbabwe. Um, talk us through the keynote presentations, you know, that, that that will take place, that people can look forward to. Uh, you did mention the likes of Mampela Rampele, but is there anybody else that is um, worth noting?
17: Um, and going virtual has actually allowed us to have um, more keynote speakers. So I'm excited by our lineup of keynotes. Uh, we've also have Business Siwe Mavusa, who's the Chief Executive of Business Leadership South Africa, and I think she, you know, she's had a big role and been very vocal again on how to rebuild South Africa. What is the role of companies in that, and what are the lessons that we can take from COVID-19? I think we've seen a lot more collaboration between business, civil society. Um, government, You know, how can this be taken forward? So that's one of the keynotes that I'm looking forward to. We also have Martin Kingston, who's the chairman of Rothschild & Co. and also um, on the Steering Committee of Business for South Africa, which was a collaborative initiative put up, uh, put together specifically to address COVID-19 and the issues that, that arose because of it. So he'll be talking about how to rebuild and how to do this through collaboration. So we've got an exciting lineup of keynotes and then we've also got a uh, lot of panels where we have experts in specific fields. So again, in education, in youth employability, in ICT for development, in monitoring and evaluation. Um, you know, we've got uh, over 50 speakers uh, who will be participating in panels, um, keynotes and in breakaway sessions. Um, so yeah, many good speakers to engage with.
2: That was Kathy Duff, Director at the Corporate Responsibility Consultancy in South Africa, TRILOG, speaking to Samura Mangesi.
4: WHO recommends 30 minutes of physical activity a day for adults and one hour a day for children. If your local or national guidelines allow it, go outside for a walk, a run or a ride, and keep a safe distance from others if you can't leave the house find an exercise video online dance to music do some yoga
13: or walk up and down the stairs Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth to slow the spread of the coronavirus. For more information on the coronavirus, visit the World Health Organization site at www.who.int.
5: In each and every one of us, there, there is, is a pebbles, pebbles and grapes. We were all meant to shine. It is up to an individual to, to realize, realize that, that pebbles. You don't
1: ever let somebody tell you you can't
2: do so.
5: Join me, Amanda Machaga, on Life by Design, where I will be talking to people who share their journey on how they discovered their purpose with the hope to inspire you to to live your life life by design. Design. Tune in to Life by Design for your dose of of Monday Monday motivation motivation every Monday at 8 a.m. Central African time and at 2 a.m. the following day. Life Life by Design, be the architect architect of of your life. life. Only on Channel Africa, the African African Perspective.
2: It's 7.39 Central African Time, and You're listening to Africa Rise and Shine, coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. Not even a steep bounce in both the RAND US dollar exchange rate and international oil prices could take the shine off the good news, which is that all grades of fuel will be cheaper in October for South African motorists. This is according to the Automobile Association. Now based on current data, petrol is set to drop by 24 cents for 93 unleaded and uh, 33 cents for 95 unleaded, while a diesel will be down by around 93 cents and illuminating paraffin by 78 cents. Spokesperson at AA Leighton Beard spoke to Samora Mangesi about the decrease.
9: I think we were expecting it. I think towards the middle of September, we already indicated that the data was predicting a decrease. Um, and I think even at this stage, we, we do need to make clear that this is a forecast from the AA. The official figures still need to come from government. Um, but certainly, I think the, the, the strengthening of the RAND, even though the RAND did decline a little against the US dollar towards the end of the month, it was stable over a period enough to provide us with that buffer that is going to give us these predicted decreases. We're hoping to See um, become official going into October.
8: And do you think the South African that South African motorists will benefit from this decrease?
9: I think absolutely. You know, when, when we see a decrease in the fuel prices, specifically in the diesel price, it's always good news for consumers. And I say specifically in the diesel price because diesel is one of those fuels that's used extensively in the agricultural sector, in the manufacturing sector. Uh, and when that price comes down or stays stable, it means that the input costs of the manufacturers and the producers and the farmers doesn't increase at the same time. And that doesn't, uh, And that means that they don't have to recoup those costs by passing anything on to consumers. So that is certainly good news. And then I think the immediate benefit, obviously, is that consumers will be able to save a little immediately at the pumps. And that's always good news for consumers.
8: And uh, do you think this drop will be sustained in the coming
9: months? Yeah, that's the $64 million question, actually, because I think the problem that we've got is that um, you know the two main factors that determine the fuel price are the Rand U.S. dollar exchange rate and international petroleum prices. And we've seen over the last few months, in fact, we've seen for a long period of time, that both of those are extremely volatile at the moment. So the one week you have a price for oil which is at $60 a barrel, the next it's at $42 a barrel. So that's a volatile commodity. And to peg it at a specific rate, uh, especially for a week, is very difficult, let alone a month. I and mean, then certainly the Rand U.S. dollar exchange rate is equally volatile. Um, we've seen this month This week, in fact, it's gone from 17 Rand 15 to its current of around 16 Rand 90. So the moves are quite significant, and to to peg a price um, going forward, uh, you know, by a week is difficult. Let alone going forward a couple of weeks. Obviously, there are concerns about international petroleum prices. If that picture changes, then unfortunately the outlook could be negative. But I think for the moment, we'll just focus on the fact that we are expecting a decrease in October. And I think that is news to be welcomed by all consumers.
2: And that was Leighton Beard, spokesperson for AA, speaking to Samora Mangesi. The global narrative since the emergence of a coronavirus has been the promotion of global cooperation and m- multilateralism. Week after week, world leaders have been delivering messages with the same theme. We cannot successfully fight COVID-19 if we do not work together. The same goes for saving our planet. The same vigour in political will is needed for environmental issues. On Wednesday, the United Nations held for the first time a high-level summit on biodiversity with heads of states. A crucial meeting as scientists have proved that uh, continued biodiversity loss increases the risk of zoonotic diseases in humans, the coronavirus being a case in point. Noma Bolani, Valdez Report.
17: What do we need to make the case for biodiversity, loud and clear. Figures? For years, scientists have provided us with the most striking figures of species, species at risk of disappearing, but it was not enough. Pictures? For years, photographers and documentary makers have provided us with moving and breathtaking visuals of species at risk of disappearing.
5: A pertinent question by the European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen. It's a question world leaders have failed to answer adequately. A mere two weeks ago, a damning United Nations report revealed that the biodiversity targets for 2020 will not be met. The world is losing significant amounts of land and species. Water and air pollution has worsened. UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres.
8: Much greater ambition is needed, not just from governments, but from all actors in society. Let me be clear. Degradation of nature is not purely an environmental issue. It spans economics, health, social justice and human rights. Neglecting our precious resources can exacerbate geopolitical tensions and conflicts. Yet too often, environmental health is overlooked or downplayed by other government sectors.
5: Malawian President Lazarus Chokera called on the Global North to increase investments and funding for the Global Biodiversity Management He was speaking on behalf of the group The Least Developed Countries.
1: Sustainable Development Goal Target 15A emphasizes mobilization and significant increase of financial resources from all sources to conserve and sustain biodiversity. Yet, biodiversity-related funding has stagnated in many countries. The biodiversity financing gap in 2019 stood at between 598 billion U.S. dollars and 824 billion U.S. dollars.
5: The U.N. Convention on Biodiversity, CBD COP 15, was supposed to take place this year to set a new framework that the world would work towards. That meeting has been postponed to next year in Kunming, China. U.N. General Assembly President Volkan Bosker says CBD COP 15 needs to elevate biodiversity as a global priority.
3: COP15 and coming must do for biodiversity what COP21 in Paris did for climate change. It must elevate the discourse to the mainstream and place it firmly on the political agenda. It must help ensure that biodiversity and ecosystem management are core to sustainable development. It must provide a platform to private sector to invest in the protection and promotion of biodiversity, not in its elimination.
5: Meanwhile, South Africa has committed to working with the UN Environment Programme to ensure the protection of biodiversity, as well as the restoration of the losses, President Sil Ramaphosa.
3: South Africa is the third most mega-biodiverse country in the world, endowed with unique species and ecosystems, found nowhere else on earth as a signatory to the convention on biological diversity we are working to conserve our biodiversity promote its sustainable use and ensure the benefits of the commercial use of genetic resources are fairly distributed
2: that report by Noma bolani
1: the globe every second there's always a breaking story what we want to achieve
7: is a healthy and vibrant economy which can ensure
3: full employment
7: to our
0: people the government concurs with the views of the black economic empowerment council report that it is now necessary to make our policies on black economic
7: empowerment more explicit. Last May, I asked constituencies at NetLe to discuss youth employment incentives. I'm pleased that discussions have been concluded and that agreement has been reached on key
16: principles.
3: We are on an ambitious drive to industrialize, to attract investment and to create more jobs for the youth of our country. They don't have jobs.
7: I've tried looking for a job for it's a year and a half now. The challenges were experience and the, the level of education which I have.
0: Channel Africa.
1: Across the globe, every second,
3: there's always a breaking story. We have withstood the coronavirus storm. Now is the time to return our country its people and our economy to a situation that is more normal that more resembles the lives that we were living 6 months ago. Following consultations with a number of stakeholders, cabinet decided that the country should now move to alert level 1. The move to alert level 1 will take effect from midnight on Sunday the 20th of September 2020. This move recognises that levels of infections are relatively low and that there is sufficient capacity in our health system to manage the current need. Channel Africa.
2: It's 7.50 Central African time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. Our economics update up next with Asile Zuma.
18: Thank you, Lulu. Good morning. South Africa's International Relations Minister Naledi Pandor has announced that when international borders open on Thursday, tourists from countries with high coronavirus infection rates will not be permitted in the country. This includes Britain, the United States, France, India, the Netherlands, and Russia. However, business travelers from high-risk countries with scarce and critical skills, including diplomats, repatriated persons, and investors, will be allowed to enter. Borders open Thursday as part of alert level one regulations. Visitors from African countries will be allowed into South Africa. Figures released by Statistics South Africa indicate that transport costs were the most significant contributors to the consumer inflation number in August. This was on the back of higher fuel prices. Stats SA says overall CPI decreased slightly to 3.1% in August. Independent economist Elize Kruger.
17: But then for next year we expect the inflation cycle to turn upward to a render an average of about 4.1%. Although, you know, overall the numbers will remain below the midpoint of the target band. From that perspective, one could argue that the, the Reserve Bank does have some space to maybe cut rates further. However, having cut rates already by 300 basis points, a further 25 or even 50 basis point cut uh, could not uh, really be seen as, as the, the needed factor to ignite our economy that's in the recession.
18: South Africa's National Union of Metal Workers, NUMSA and the South African Cabin Crew Association want answers from government as to when funding for South African airways will be made available. The union say they have not received any communications from the Department of Public Enterprises since the crisis meeting by the SAA business rescue practitioners to creditors. The SAA BRPs this week announced they had put the airline's assets under care and maintenance to keep it in good condition while funding to Discussions are being finalized. Unions are, dema- are demanding answers. Numsa spokesperson, Pagamele majola The most crucial question that I think that has to be asked at this point, Treasury and DPE can answer, is where is the funding for the business rescue plan for SAA? Where is it? We were assured and promised by the BRPs at the creditors meeting which took place the last time that this money would be made available and it is quite disgraceful that neither treasury nor dpe has still answered that question this leaves workers and their families and their lives in the balance Two of the largest U.S. carriers, American Airlines and United Airlines, said they were beginning failoffs of over 32,000 workers on Thursday as hopes faded for a last-minute bailout from Washington. However, in a memo released on Wednesday, both airlines told employees that they stood ready to reverse the fell which affect about 13% of their workforces before the pandemic if a deal was reached. Tens of thousands of other employees at those airlines and other including Delta Airlines and Southwest Airlines have accepted buyouts or leaves of absence aimed at reducing headcounts as carriers battle a health crisis that has appended the global travel industry. And a key central bank survey showed Japanese business sentiments improved in July to September from 11 year low hit three months ago in a sign the economy is gradually emerging from the devastating hit from the coronavirus pandemic. But factory activity remained shaky and corporate capital expenditure plans were at their weakest since the 2009 global financial crisis, underscoring the challenge of pulling the world's third largest economy sustainably out of its slump. However, they It offers some hope for new Prime Minister Yoshihide Sugar's efforts to achieve an economic revival from the crisis and pave the way for hosting the next year's Tokyo Olympic Games. For financial indicators, the U.S. dollar is trading at 382.75 Nigerian Naira, 11.50 Bula, 107.49 Kenyan shilling and 1997 Zambian Guacha. In BRICS currencies, one U.S. dollar is trading at 564 Brazilian rule, 7908 Russian ruble, 7368 Indian Rupee, 681 Chinese Yuan and at 1699 South African Rand. The U.S. dollar is also trading at 77 pence to the British pound and 85 cents to the euro. Looking at commodities, gold is trading at $1,883 in platinum at $868 per ounce. And the price of brand crude oil is at $40.50 a barrel. For Channel Africa News, I'm Nasi
0: Africa, rise and shine.
1: Africa, soul, Africa, amuka, na
2: It wraps up Africa, rise and shine today. For myself, Lulu Gabu, producer Luanda Maume, technical producer Wiseman Manglele, and the rest of the team, thank you for joining us. For comments about our show, send us an email at info.channelafrica.co.za, WhatsApp on plus or tweet us at channelafrica1. I'll taking us to the top of the hour for the news is Beautiful Onyine by P-Square featuring Rick Ross. Goodbye and keep safe. P-Square, P-Square, P-Square,
16: P-Square, P-Square. Convict News. Uma se é ser Que é You're my heart and my sweetness. my sweetness Is this love, is this love I don't know, but I know what I feel